0: Hello out there, all of you queens, killer queens, and even you great king rats. Thank you for tuning in to the Seaside Pod Review, a podcast about the music of Queen. I'm Randy, and that over there is Kevin. And once a week, we'll gather behind the mics to discuss a random song from the catalogue of one of the most eclectic rock bands in history. Stay tuned. Brand new angle, highly commendable, Seaside Pod Review. Part with Give us a
1: kiss. Part with I'm not giving you a kiss. So welcome to the first episode, folks. Randy. You put the music together for the theme. How did that uh, yeah. go to you? Did you enjoy doing it?
0: Yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. Uh it, you know, I guess there's a voiceover during all the guitar stuff. Uh, but I just mostly kind of just played it from from memory and uh, you know. And went back and, and actually, you know, gave it a listen to see if make sure I had the melody right. And but yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun for sure. And
1: singing those harmonies. Queen harmonies are always fun to do, right?
0: Well, I mean, I can only just guess at exactly what was happening there. And so so you're getting my my <laughs> uh, my approximation of what yeah. it is. Queen esque. hmm I do not claim to be anywhere near the level of Freddie Mercury's Mercury's vocal talent.
1: Well, no one is my friend, and we're gonna be we're gonna talking about that a lot in this podcast, I I I I assume so. I think so. Okay, so why don't we um we know what we should do first though, so, Randy? Is it's Halloween or Halloween tomorrow, I guess, technically tomorrow as we record this. Um yes. and it's a Sunday night. We've decided we're gonna do these on Sunday nights, these records, which means that we're gonna sit around with a beer and we're gonna chat over Zoom uh, as two old friends instead of sitting in the same location, which we usually do, but we're still gonna drink beer. So what are you drinking tonight?
0: Well, uh if I'm just uh, going to level with you here, I'm drinking uh, Blackbridge Brewery. I'm drinking their, currently drinking their Pseudo Lager uh, because they have a great deal on their uh, uh, taster's flights right now. So uh, I've been doing that uh, a little bit here lately, uh, their Milk Stout being probably my favorite beer.
1: We should tell, just just for people's um, background on that, Randy and I are both very big fans of and supporters of the local craft beer scene in Saskatchewan, which is vibrant and growing and causes, you know, a few extra pounds because they keep putting out bloody good beers. So you got to drink them, right? You've got to support
0: local businesses. It uh, They pretty much are just pouring it directly into my mouth. There's not much I can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, a bit of housekeeping. Um Like I said, the format of the show is taken from the um, And The Podcast Will Rock, brilliant Van Halen podcast that you guys should all check out. Corey Morissette and Mark Meyer host that show. And what they do is every week they spin a wheel online. um, And I've been on that show and it's a real wheel. They don't do any prep for the song that they're going to talk about. And so they then listen to that song through. They pause the song. They talk about what they're hearing. They talk about the background and they research that as they go on the fly. Um, So that's the same thing we're going to do on this show. However... This week we figured, as we're just starting the podcast, we'd start right at the beginning, the first track from the first album, "Keep Yourself Alive." Um, Other bits and pieces, I kind of went through and I. (laughs) So I don't know about. I didn't talk to you about. I didn't talk to you about this one, Randy. But there's a bit of controversy, or there's an album in the Queen catalog that's a little bit polarizing with the fans, especially with the hardcore fans, and that is the last album they released, "Made in Heaven." yes so that's the album that was put together after freddie passed away but he had recorded all the sort of vocals that were recorded and the new vocals for that album with the intent that they would be used by the band so i sort of feel that you have to honor that and we're gonna so we're gonna throw those songs into the mix um they're not everyone's favorites um there's some good tracks on that album and some that are a little bit weaker and there's some that sort of recycle from other albums but we're gonna throw those on there anyway we'll get to them when we get to them. The other thing I guess we should cover off is Flash Gordon. And we had a little bit of discussion about this, but we're only going to include Flash's theme and the hero off that album as they're the two non-instrumentals, the true, two true, what I would call songs. Um, so with instrumentals, what we decided was they won't be the subject of their own episode, and they'll be sort of tacked on to the episode of either the preceding or succeeding song from the album. So, for example, you know, God Save the Queen will come after Bohemian Rhapsody when we do that one, because uh, they tend to be very short and often they're not full band arrangements. So I thought, you know, we can leave those off. So all told, I counted it up, we have 151 songs to get through. So that's, you know, just about three years. That's not too bad.
0: That's a lot of so songs,
1: <laughs> And after that, who knows, you know, if we're enjoying it and people are listening, maybe we'll do B-sides and studio outtakes and demos and solo stuff, and we'll see, you know, see whether people like it.
0: Let's get through episode one first. <laughs>
1: I the last thing before we do get into episode one <laughs> is a shout out to a couple of Indie Queen podcasts that I, that I listen to. The first is Recovering a Queen or Recovering Queen, I guess you would pronounce it. So that's a really unique take on the podcast format. Um, and what they do is every episode they talk about a song, but one of the hosts then goes and completely re-records it in their own sort of their own interpretation of it, including vocals, including keys, drums, everything else, right? Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. It's a neat thing to do, but can you imagine how much time that would take? Oh, it'd take a tremendous amount of work. Holy Christ, I can't even imagine. Um, and then the other is my one of my genuinely one of my favorite indie podcasts is In the Lap of the Pods, which is a Queen podcast hosted by three Glaswegians whose banter and in jokes are just as much fun as their analysis of the music. And I've listened to all the album episodes that they've done and I'm working my way through all the other stuff because they've got about I think they've got about three, two, two, three years worth of stuff now. So well worth listening to. And if you can, if you can understand the accent and they slow down a little bit, it's an absolute hoot. I laugh my ass off when I'm listening to that podcast. So and Kevin,
0: you said they're what? Regions?
1: They're Glaswegians. They're from Glasgow in Scotland. Ah, uh, oh, sorry, Glasgow. not Glasgow, Glasgow. They don't pronounce right. it Glasgow in Glasgow. It's Glasgow. So.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Glaswegians. Uh, gotcha now. I missed that. Sorry. Okay, so
1: keep yourself alive. The very first track. Do you, I mean? Obviously, you know this song very well. I'm pretty sure when we've been sitting around drinking, you play. You can just rip into this lake pretty easily, right?
0: I. Yeah, I think possibly I could. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I could.
1: So it's one of the songs that was recorded in those um, demos it was actually from, it, it, I think it started in 1970 um, and it was originally on acoustic guitars. And I guess it was from the uh, practice sessions that they had at Imperial College before they had, um, before John had joined them. So they didn't have a full-time bass player at that point. Um, and then the first version was actually recorded at the Delane Lear Studios and was, I don't know if it's Delane Lee or Delane Lear. I'm not too sure. Hmm. So there's an original, there's a version out there, that that demo version, and maybe we'll listen to a little bit of it after we listen to the song because it is online, you can hear it. Um, it's definitely different. It feels different. The drums are a little bit different here and there. And the arrangement itself is pretty much exactly what we ended up with on the record, but you can tell that it's sort of still in a formative state and some of the lyrics change and all that kind of stuff, right? So Right. Yeah. It's pretty regularly played. Like I remember, you know, being a kid and watching sort of the old gray whistle test and some of those shows where that's a song that I'd heard Queen play live before I really sort of, you know, Live Killers came out. Yeah. Um, and it was released as a single, of course. Um, On July 6th, I believe, uh, the album came out on July 13th, 1973, three days after I was born. So there you go. That charts my little history with Queen. Um And the single didn't chart, and then they re-released it in 75, and that didn't chart either, which is weird because I think it's a fucking brilliant song. Wow,
0: yeah. And
1: we should say too that you know, there will be some language in this podcast. So if you're a little bit squeamish about the F word, maybe even the C word cropping up now and again, you know, <laughs> we'll try, we'll try and give you a warning when the, when we're, when we're effing and
0: jeffing. So, uh
1: well, should we get into it? Should we, should we listen to some "Keep Yourself Live,
0: Randy? I think we should. Uh, I think we should jump right in and give it a listen. All
1: right, here we go. The first song from Queen on Queen One. <laughs>
0: love the flanger
1: great intro hey (laughs) it really is an iconic queen intro that one
0: well it's a brilliant intro and you know the first thing that's kind of coming to my mind is uh you know nowadays they would never wait that long before having (laughs) a vocal come in no. But, you know, there was a different time and people liked, you know, guitars, uh, you know, and I still do. And yes, the, the flanger on that is so cool. It sounds so great. And the riff is so cool. And
1: this it's got to be at least two or three different guitar parts he's playing or it's certainly overdone. Uh, do
0: you I mean? think that's just I think that's just one. Yeah, hmm. I would say that's just one. Yeah. OK. At this point, anyhow.
1: Yeah, okay, so again, it sort of sets the mood a little bit because it feels like that thing if you think, I'm not quite sure exactly where this is going to go yet. You don't know whether it's gonna be super fast rock, you don't know whether it's gonna be quite an atmospheric thing. So
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So straight away before Freddie comes in singing, key change. Right off the bat. So again, that's something else, right? Modern music. You're not getting a 41 second intro, 26 second intro.
0: (laughs) No, 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 you're not. No, you're not.
1: What do you think of the drums? What do you think of Roger's drums on this one?
0: Well, you know, I mean, so far, so good. So far, so good. I guess he was just (laughs) kind of tapping on the snare there before, but yeah, we're going to get some great Roger, Roger Taylor at some point here. Uh, And I'm also, I guess we're, I should say that we're watching the video at the same time and uh they certainly look young as well. <laughs>
1: okay. Let's get let's get some Freddie Mercury into our lives.
0: Hit it. I was told a million times of the troubles in my way. Mind you grow a
1: little wiser, a little better every day. if I crossed a million rivers and I rode
0: a million miles, I'd shoot me where I started, red and butter for
1: Yeah, so there you go, lyrics. So this is obviously a Brian May composition. And I guess he originally wrote it and thought it was quite tongue-in-cheek. It was more of a sort of a, he wasn't sort of being earnest in any of these lyrics, but he said when Freddie got a hold of the lyrics and the way he delivered them, they changed slightly and it morphed out of being quite so, you know, quite so jokey. Right, right. But yeah, like you said, so uh, yeah, if I wrote if I crossed a million rivers and I rode a million miles, then I'd still be where I started, bread and butter for a smile. I'm sure all felt that way before, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially musicians. <laughs> yeah. Yep okay so there's your first verse really that's the first verse yes let's get let's get the second verse going randy let's hear it so let's ask quickly so we're going to talk lots about sort of songwriting conventions i think in this too because obviously you're a a prolific songwriter and you've worked with hundreds of other songwriters i like that change in the tone of the song where you've got that real staccato chugging guitar riff and then when it gets into the sort of four eight bars before the chorus kicks in it really opens up those chords right so it changes it changes that
0: almost becomes that pre-chorus yeah so it goes from palm muting to playing full open chords yeah yeah it's 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 excellent i i I, you know what i did well I, i even knew we were gonna do this song and i didn't Pick it up and play uh so i'm not exactly sure what key it's in i'm i think when i play the riff i do it in a but that could be completely wrong anyhow continue on I was just gonna say you know i just love brian may's playing so much because it's he's not really playing a lead there i mean it, it is and it isn't you know what i mean it's not like yeah. he's going single notes and laying a face melter down for us he just playing some really tasty kind of rhythm parts and it just makes the song so interesting and uh i just reached behind me here too by the way and i plucked my a string on my guitar and it is in fact in a
1: I think again, she was talking about sort of that intro and you get, you've got the same thing here now the, the sort of the, the period between the end of that chorus and the next verse again is another quite a protracted long
0: thing. And it's not a super long song. So you've
1: got quite a lot of music in this song, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess maybe we're going to go on and on about this, but you know, that's what, that's what Queen was so good at. Uh, and I, you know, I don't mean to harp on, on, on Brian May's ability because he is, you know, he's so great. But just the way, like I said, the way he keeps the interest going—you know, there's no organs, there's no pianos, there's no horns, there's nothing. It's just a a three-piece rock band with with a lead singer, and and he's, you know, and he's and he's laying it down, and keeping it interesting, and you know, it's a great pop song, really. At the end of the day, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it was kind of identified in a lot of the early reviews
1: as being the strongest song on the album, and one of the ones where people felt like, you know, this was the sort of the the one that was interesting. People said this was sort of the interesting song in it. I think it was in now. Uh, let me look.
0: Vaguely Hendrixy lead riff, someone from South Yorkshire said. The South <laughs> Yorkshire Times. And South we Yorkshire? All know, we all know that they're really. Connoisseurs in South York at the South Yorkshire Times. They
1: like flat caps, ferrets, yeah. and queen. Those, those are the three things that people in South Yorkshire like.
0: And tracksuits. Come on. And
1: track suits, yeah. <laughs> really, really, nylon, vinyl, flammable tracksuits. Yeah. The four things that people from South Yorkshire like.
0: That's right. <laughs> All
1: right, let's get back into it. We'll listen through a little bit more here. Got
0: it. Well, I love- I've been a Donny Cash, and I.
1: So I know we're stopping this song a lot, folks, um, and I know probably sometimes you might just want to listen through. And one of the reasons is that we don't really want to fall foul of copyright law. So we're trying to stay on the right side of fair use. And this is commentary and we haven't sort of cleared this with anyone from Queen. So hopefully they let us do it um, and hopefully they'll see it as what it is, sort of on a march from two fans. But um, what a line that is, eh? We will we will find
0: out soon enough.
1: Listen to this for a, for a line, hey, eh? Well, I've loved a million women in a belladonic haze. And I ate a million dinners brought to me on Silver trays. It's a bit grandiose, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is. It is, in fact. Well, it's funny because Freddie was
1: always associated with those kinds of lyrics, like the big pomp, you know, the big pomp and ceremony and the, the big sort of theatrical stuff. But this is Brian May writing this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, see, well, I didn't realize that. Uh, I'm going to learn lots, uh, I'm assuming. Uh, I didn't know that Brian wrote lyrics at all, truthfully. Okay. You know, I guess, you know. It's sort of silly of me to think that he didn't, but uh, but I just didn't think of it. Often, well, very often, it's, you know, especially in a, in a collaborative band, it's the vocalist is often the one that writes the lyrics, but of course, not always. I mean, yeah.
1: Well, that's Queen had four, but four uh, uh, lyric writers, right? Or four songwriters generally, and um, yeah. three singers, really, because, you know, Brian and Roger did take lead on some of those songs too. So, and we'll definitely get into Brian's lyric writing because some of it's great. And some of it's not. Maybe you wouldn't describe it as great. Some of it's a little bit ropey here and there, but we'll get into that. This is not one of them. This is a great lyric.
0: Roger Taylor could have been uh, the lead singer in his own band if if he'd so chose. I think. A times all the people in my way. I to keep on trying and get better every day. But if I
1: crossed a million rivers and I rode a So just before we get into Roger's big drum, th- drum solo on the first track on a, on a new record by a new band. Well, that's yeah. ballsy straight away. But I do like yeah. another thing that Freddie does quite a lot is he changes the cadence of what he's singing. So he's, when he sings the verses, they might have the same number of syllables, but he'll change the way they sing, he sings them, or they'll, he'll deliberately change the number of syllables in them to sort of drag things out and move things around. So it's never you're never hearing the same thing twice, right? Never saying the same thing over and over.
0: Yeah. I was just listening to, uh, I was loving uh, Brian's Little descending guitar line there during all of that too, which is obviously doubled and possibly tripled and possibly quadrupled.
1: Would he have done that though with his pedal, or would that have been you probably probably overdubs right in the studio? Uh,
0: That'd be yeah, that'd be multi tracked in the studio, yeah, 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 for sure.
1: All right, let's hear Roger kick some ass on the drums here. Fucking love that. I love it. And obviously, I'm a hobbyist drummer, so I'm going to talk about the drums, man. I love how it's 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 basically a straight backbeat to start. Like he's hitting, you know, he's, he's a four on the floor, and then he puts in that little syncopated bit in the middle, and he gets the cowbell. I think it's a cowbell. Or something. There's something in there, some little percussive thing, and it just changes the whole mood of it before he drops back into those toms. It's so fucking cool, man. I love that. I like it. I like it. It's pretty sweet, man. I was going to say, we're watching the video, so obviously you know equipment too much, much better than ours. Those floor toms that he has look huge. They look like frigging oil drums. They're massive.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, they do look big. And, you know, in the 70s, they did not use a bottom uh, uh, rim on the toms, and so they I, they probably were a, little, were a little boomier back then too. Well, but it's interesting. It does, it does change the sound of them anyhow. They do sound huge and massive. They sound like a kick drum.
1: Okay, so Roger's had his turn, and now it's back to Brian for a bit of uh, sauce
0: on the guitar. Yeah, let's hear it. Now, you know, I, I haven't dug into any, any old footage of the day, but be interesting to see how he plays that solo live because obviously it's just layered to the, you know, the nth degree. And of course it sounds brilliant and they love it, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and I, I love that about Queen is they never, ever worried about how they're going to do a song live. They just went for it and then, you know, and I think that's the best way too. You sort that out later. You sort out how you're going to play it live later. In the studio, you use all the tricks of the studio and, uh, and you know, well, Brian's the king of the the, the layered... Harmonized guitars. Was there anything
1: like that really kicking around at that time that you can think of? And I know that obviously, you know, you had great guitarists. You had Tony Iomi, you had, you know, Richie Blackmore, we had Jimmy Page. we had all those guys, but they weren't really doing that. They were doing either
0: more blues well, rocky
1: stuff or it was
0: I mean, just think of like the Almond brothers with like Jessica and things like that. So you know, yeah. There's been lots of harmonies, harmonized guitars, you know, guitars playing in harmony. But I, I I'm not sure if it was done quite the same way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By the yeah. same player in, you know, and you're right it you know, obviously with the Almond brothers in that particular situation, it's definitely blues based and it's not like Brian doesn't play blues based riffs cause he does, but, but he also always throws that, that bit of a little bit of classical, just a little, mm, or a little bit, you know,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, which, definitely. which
0: makes it, especially, you know, as a kid listening to Queen growing up, that was like, Ooh, wow. Well, you know, what's that? What's happening there? I like that. Yeah.
1: And how much of that, too, is defined by, and we'll probably talk about this quite a lot, again, through the through the series, but that guitar that he built, obviously, the, mm-hmm. the Red Special is completely unique. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like any other guitar, and he plays, of course, with a sixpence, so that changes the attack on the strings. So even if you play the same notes, you're never going to quite get the same, well, probably there's a million effects units that give you the Brian May preset now, but... But again, to get that specific sound at that time, it must have been really sort of refreshing for guitarists to hear that at the time and think, "Whoa, how is he? How is he doing that? How is he getting that sound?" You know?
0: Yeah. Well, that that's definitely something that is unique to Brian. And yeah, like you say, he's playing with the he's playing with a coin, which you know really is ridiculous. I, I don't know why <laughs> the fuck he would ever do that, uh, because it would just where your I don't yeah I can't see any benefit except that it would certainly be biting. You know, yeah. it would certainly give you a biting, you know, tone on the strings. So, you know, who am I to judge, right? He's Brian May and I'm Randy Woods in Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah, well, and I've heard, you know, I've heard <laughs> him talk, I've heard him talk about that guitar and that, and that technique. I think you sent me a video of him talking about playing with that sixpence, but he doesn't get into why he started playing with it. So you almost wonder whether it was sort of a, didn't have a pick laying around and thought, well, fuck it, I'll just use this and see. And then, and sort of thought, wait, hang on a minute. That sounds quite cool. Yeah. And maybe just maybe it got phased in rather than it being sort of an all at once deliberate thing. But it'd be kind of cool to, to hear more of the backstory on that, eh?
0: Well, it would be. And you and you would one would assume that once he was, you know, in the money enough that you could afford a pick that maybe that he would <laughs> he would run out to the store and purchase himself one. No, I need something thicker.
1: No, no, thicker. <laughs> still thicker. No, it's not thick enough. <laughs> oh, fuck it. I'll still just keep using this pen at this coin. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do a little, little bit more music here. So that little interlude there with, you know, you've got Roger and Brian singing and it's really, yeah. the timing's really weird. Like it's a really odd timing when they come in and they don't, it doesn't hit exactly where, I to me it doesn't anyway, to my ear, it always never, I can never quite come in at the right time for that second line.
0: Uh, Well, can we go back and listen to it? I suppose we could, yeah. Better every
1: no, I just think just my grave. See what I mean? It doesn't. It almost doesn't quite line up exactly where you would think it would be. Yeah, I was just counting it. It's all just in fours. Yeah, I uh, know it's in fours, but it's still, I don't know. There's something about the syllables I've never ever, and I've listened to that song. I mean, Christ, I've heard this song at least three, four hundred times in my life. I've, yeah, I mean, at yeah. least right. And I've never been. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's me, Randy. Maybe I'm just not a good enough singer. I'm not I'm not up to Brian May's level that I just can't manage to hit that groove. So.
0: <laughs> well, have you tried counting to four? <laughs> that's
1: wait a minute, that's the one after three and before five, right? Is that one?
0: Mm, as far as I know, studies show. Yeah.
1: Randy, I'm a drummer. You know we don't count. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's listen to it again in a bit.
0: Just listening to that uh that snare sound is deep, hey? Yeah it's gotta be a 70s thing. It's a it's a deep, deep sounding snare. Doesn't sound like there's a ton of reverb on it. I mean, it's totally the right thing, and, and that's was the sound of the era. And I just kind of just kind of came at me at me towards the end here after listening to it. It's like wow, that's uh that's a deep, deep snare. Well,
1: Randy, before we finish up listening to this, I actually there is there are isolated drums. For this online so you can hear oh, you can hear sweet. these drums so like if we just going kind to of throw those on a little bit and i'll try and find maybe i'll try and find the drum solo so you can really hear like i said the, the sort of the, the timbre of those toms and we can hear you know that snare cracking so let me see if i can find it
0: it's not cake you hear the hear the ringing eh? yes yeah. they would never record drums like this today
1: Hear that pan too, hey? Hear the pan from left and right.
0: It sounds almost like they've either got they've either got a phase issue, which I just can't imagine the engineers at a recording queen would battle with phase issues, or they have just the slightest little bit of of chorus on on those drums, or or, or a flange, just of some slight little bit. Could you hear that? That yeah yeah the, it's almost like a yep. movement
1: right yeah yeah so to, just to explain for people what do you mean by phase when you're talking about phase what is that
0: oh well well just so phase so if you have a couple of microphones a couple of microphones uh kind of facing the the wrong way from each other so they're pushing and pulling at different times it's called it's called being out of phase and it sounds a little bit like chorus and flange it sounds a little bit like it but not as pleasing to the ear yeah so that's just what it just well you know he played me that for whatever a few seconds so that's just yeah. what it sounded ever so briefly but but go on so we'll just finish this out because i just
1: wanted to listen you listen to quickly to when he's playing when he comes back out of that soul and goes back into it. just listen to the sort of i don't know the the rhythm that he's playing with and the sort of how how, how closely he's paying attention to the time if you listen to it sure
0: good meter man yeah but it's funny
1: because earlier if you listen to that whole isolated track earlier on he's definitely a little bit behind the beat but it no, doesn't hurt saying. right so
0: yeah but it's super cool i'd be i'd be interested to know the tech back then if they were playing to click tracks or if they were playing to just just live off the floor in the room it, i'd I'd be interested to, to to find out about the recording process in in that era it's my understanding of that randy is that um
1: quite often and probably not on this one because obviously there's no piano on this song but freddie would if freddie had written it especially he'd just play through the piano line and so they'd get that sort of that even a scratch track or sometimes the end take and then roger would play on top of that and that would form the basis for the track and certainly i think you know maybe into the 80s when they start getting into hot space when they started using drum machines and that kind of stuff then you're going to bring a click track in but i think in these early days i think it was very very organic And this album was recorded basically sort of on the night shift of the studio. So they were getting in on rough hours whenever they could. So it might've been a case of, you know, some of these engineering issues or some of these production issues are just a a product of, well, we don't have a huge budget for this. Let's just get in record, what we can as well as
0: we can. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that happened lots. Uh, I'm sure that happened lots in those days. Uh, And, you know, playing, uh, playing to a click track. Well, I was just going to say that it would be interesting to throw that, uh, that, especially that isolated drum track into pro tools yeah and just see see how far it drifts you know which way or or the other right yeah uh you know there's nothing wrong with with it with the, it moving a little bit as long as everybody's moving with you right yeah and I think
1: too like if you because there are some time changes it's a, a big time change in the middle then you've got that solo and of course that solo yeah it's four on the floor and it's not really coming off beat but it's there's definitely enough there that you know if you're not a good drummer if you're not a good live drummer you You could easily flub your lines on that one, right?
0: So here's the question, and maybe you know, were these guys out playing live a a ton at this point in their career? Yes, yeah. So that's so they're probably just they're probably just jumping in off the, you know, off the road, and and they're just they're super tight, and and you just could play this in their sleep. Absolutely. Uh, I'm assuming because it sure sounds like that, right?
1: Okay, well let's listen to the rest of the fade out. We've only got about I don't know 17, 20 seconds or something to go, so we'll listen to this and we'll uh, talk. We'll wrap it up. So there, that's Queen. Keep yourself alive.
0: The seventies fade out. You notice <laughs> we don't fade out songs like we used to. Not as often, no.
1: What no. do you, you? Where do you? you stand on it? Because you don't do it with your songs usually, right? You very rarely have a fade out on your tracks that you write.
0: Yeah, well, it just yeah, it's just that it seems like you didn't come up with an ending if you faded yeah. out. And I'm sure that's why they why they did it is because they didn't have an ending. Yeah. So. I mean, and it's not like it, <laughs> it's certainly not like it matters, right? No. But, uh, but I always like to hear, uh, I like hearing a, a confident
1: end. Me too. It's my preference for sure. It's my preference yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: but that's just me, you know, and the other thing I was going to, I was going to say though, but what I sometimes do like about the old fade outs is you'll get some little chunk of a guitar solo or a vocal or an organ solo or something from whatever band that maybe you know didn't make the you know it was it's super cool but it was maybe a little too outside right yeah because you know when start you know when you know when the band knows that they're in the fade out that's when that's when you start to to let loose right fuck around
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think too some of that is because i know like my other podcast that i do the tom petty project a lot of those early heartbreakers records were faded out but i think that was almost more a case of um denny cordell saying no the song needs to be shorter so we'll just let's get it let's cut it down let's end it sooner you know what i mean so so it's a a vinyl time thing as well so
0: Uh, yeah another thing that's another thing too yeah so of course yeah if you're considering vinyl yeah that's a a major major consideration and then the other thing too is for me working on my own music it's not really a problem but uh for radio back then you want to always keep them you know under four for sure you know like three three fifty three thirty was that was that was the best so you know you didn't want you didn't want to let it go any longer so if you, you know, if it had to fade it out, well, then fade it
1: out. Yeah. Can you imagine if they faded Bohemian Rhapsody out to get it under four minutes?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my. Okay, hey, so what are your overall thoughts? Keep yourself alive. Obviously, it's a song you know well, but when you listen back to it and listen to some of those isolated drums and maybe well, what we'll do, Randy, I think, is we'll listen to the song again and we'll bring back any other thoughts that we come up with on the next episode to recap things that we might not have dug into quite as deeply.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good idea. I think we should listen to it and uh, on our own and yeah, maybe we can, you know, re- reassess some of our judgments. But uh, for me, this is a pretty easy one to me. It's a, a to me, it's, a, it's, it's a knock out of a, out of the park. It's just a brilliant song. Uh, I, I like, I like the lyrics, you know, Freddie's always Freddie. He's such a great vocalist. Uh, it's the, the bands at peak form. Uh, yeah. Really great. You Kev, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's it's again, I grew up with Queen, right? So I mean, my history with Queen, we had all the records. My dad, mum and dad were both huge fans. And so I listened, I've been listening to Queen as long as I can remember actually listening to music. And I've been listening to Queen as long as I can remember actually picking up a physical record and putting it on a turntable, putting on headphones and then sitting there with the record player, listening to, listen to records. So this is a song that, again, I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of times. And again, when you listen to it under headphones and you get some of that panning going on, it's just super, super cool, right? You know, yeah. and you, you kind of, you do miss that when you, when you put it on, you know, cause we had crappy stereos going up, we didn't have a good sound system. So you don't really hear that quite as much and the room's yeah. never set up properly. you got two speakers on top of one another. So when you listen to headphones, you always get a better experience out of it, I think. So yeah, no, it's a, it's an absolutely fantastic, fantastic song. So I think we've both shown our hand a little bit. Um, and for the folks listening, we are going to sort of do a little quick vote on this. And so what I'm going to ask you, Randy, and I think I know the answer already, obviously, but is this song one of the champions or is this one going to bite the dust?
0: My and what about you, Kev?
1: Well, you know, I have said all that. You know, it's a great song. Is it one of the best songs in the Queen catalogue? You know, i probably have to say... We
0: are the <laughs> my
1: and it's crazy that this didn't make great estates. Well, in a way, I mean, obviously it didn't. Well, I think it might have been on the US one. I think it might have been on the US version, but it wasn't on the UK version. And I think oh, probably okay. because it didn't chart as a single, it just didn't make it. Because it's just to me, it's one of the songs that I think about when I think about Queen.
0: Yeah, me too. I I I agree completely. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful tune. Uh and you know, like I said, earlier I was singing it's a great pop song, but it's a great rock song. And I think that Queen sometimes gets forgotten as a rock band, and this is really them rocking.
1: Well, yeah, there's that weird there is that weird sort of distinction that people want to make between rock and pop. And pop yeah. just means popular and accessible, really, right? I mean, and there's of course, loads yeah. of great accessible rock songs and great accessible band, bands that make accessible rock and roll. But there's also a lot of those bands still rock the shit out of things. And, you know, when we get to things like Stone Cold Crazy and we get to some of those sort of tracks that Queen did, it's it's almost, I mean, it's it is, it's heavy metal, right? So, no, they yeah. can rock with the best of them for sure. And I think this one is, it is one of those that rides that line really nicely. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Okay, well, we should wrap this one up, Mr. Woods. It's been a good time. You enjoyed it?
0: I've enjoyed myself, and I have uh, consumed beer, so that was uh, was also good. (laughs) So if
1: you're listening to this, um, please go check us out on Twitter, at Queen Seaside, or on Facebook, at Seaside Pod Review. Um, You can also check out my other podcast, The Tom Petty Project, so that's at Tom Petty Project, um, or at The Tom Petty Project on Twitter. I'm going to double check that at Tom Petty Project on Twitter, and then at the Tom Petty Project on Facebook and Instagram. We are not on Instagram. Um, Randy, where can the folks find you if they want to check out any of your music and your personal thoughts about life, love, and religion?
0: Well, uh, I uh, I speak on Sundays at uh, the Church of Go Fuck Yourself, <laughs> <laughs>
1: and a mighty fine congregation it is too. <laughs>
0: uh yeah uh randywoodsband.com as you can find all kinds of stuff out about the music that i write uh yeah and that's and that's about it
1: awesome okay well thank you very much for um tuning in folks i think what we'll do is we'll say goodnight, and we will leave the last word to mr freddie mercury good night good night i'm just a musical prostitute my dear